Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, special edition on the broadcast today. We had Dr. Robert Godfrey, one of our conference speakers, come and speak at our joint service along with Cloverdale uh, this uh, last Lord's Day. And so we have taken his message and split it up for your enjoyment. We hope it blesses you and we hope it helps you to see God's glory in a greater way. When I spoke to Pastor Herman about what I might uh, preach here, we uh, decided it might be a good idea you can tell me after the service if it was, um, it might be a good idea to continue the theme of the conference in some way. And uh, so uh, this morning we're going to continue to think about worship, particularly in terms of what we should think about uh, Jesus' teaching on the Sabbath day. And then tonight we'll consider the Scripture's teaching on the singing of Psalms. So those are theme- themes related to the conference. And let me express uh, my appreciation to the two congregations here. I know others are also involved in the really splendid job you did uh, putting on uh, this conference. I was uh, tremendously impressed. Um, I've spoken at a lot of conferences, and I don't think I've ever seen one uh, better run or planned or uh, brought off. And uh, uh, I know uh, some of you haven't had all that much experience with conferences in other places, but uh, you should be uh, very, uh, I I suppose we can't be proud, Um, uh, but you should be very pleased uh, how effectively you have uh, done this and what a real blessing it was to the speakers and uh, to the many attenders. You had great attendance, I thought. So um, thank you for your work in that way, and I hope the Lord will continue to bless you as you Uh, plan those things in the future. Um, Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Mark, so I'd ask you to turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, and we'll take up our reading at chapter 2, verse 23, reading down through chapter 3, verse 6. So beginning at uh, Mark 2, verse 23, this is God's own word. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, 
The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the weathered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of their heart. And he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. So far, the reading of God's Word. The idea that Sunday is a Christian Sabbath has been central to Reformed life and piety for centuries. And uh, that was true not only of the Reformed, but uh, widely in America. It was true that uh, Protestants generally regarded Sunday as a Sabbath, and it was kept as a day of rest and a day of worship, uh, a day in which uh, people turned from their ordinary endeavors. And back in the 1950s, when the National Football League uh, announced that they were going to organize professional football to be played on Sunday, it was widely said that there was no chance of that succeeding, because Americans, being a pious people, would surely not watch football on the Sabbath day. Uh, The people who said that proved not to be very good prophets, but it helps focus the issue, doesn't it? Is Sunday a Sabbath day? Certainly in the last 70 years, we've seen dramatic change, not just in the broad culture of America when it comes to Sunday and what may be done on Sunday, but great change in the churches. So some churches actually have Super Bowl parties in place of a service on the Sabbath day. I I didn't ask Pastor Herman if that happens here. I think I know the answer. Uh, But that too presses the question, doesn't it? Were we right all those centuries to view Sunday as a Sabbath, a Christian Sabbath? Or is the contemporary church right, much of it, to uh, say we're just free to worship any day of the week, to do anything we want on Sunday? Um, I don't want to try to answer all those questions today, but I want us to think about that relative to Jesus' teaching here in the Gospel of Mark which is sometimes cited to prove that Jesus has sort of done away with the Sabbath. And uh, we hear 
uh, quoted that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, and the implication is that as Lord of the Sabbath, He has done away with the Sabbath. And what I want us to ask as we look into the Word of God is, is that what Mark is teaching? Is that what Jesus has done? What is the real lesson from Mark 2 and 3 uh, for us about how we ought to think about the Sabbath? As I say, we can't deal with every question related to the Sabbath. Apparently, uh, I have to be done before 6 o'clock because there's a second service. Um, um, But this very dramatic incident illustrates something profound about how Jesus is teaching and what he's teaching. And the passage begins... Very strikingly, one Sabbath, on a Sabbath. And the reader is really asked immediately to recall what the Old Testament has taught. We heard it this morning, didn't we? The reading of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, and the seventh day is a Sabbath unto the Lord our God. In it you shall not do any work. Jesus was not working on that Sabbath day. Uh, Jesus was walking. If Jesus had been Dutch, we might have said he was walking to Grandma's for coffee. But um, uh, we have no indication in the text that that was true. But he and his disciples are out. They're walking. And the disciples, being hungry, have uh, just taken a few grains from uh, the wheat or whatever is growing there, to munch on as they walk along. And you notice that as they're walking, they're being watched. There weren't video cameras. There weren't security cameras. But they're being followed. They're being observed. They're being observed by the Pharisees who are clearly looking for any opportunity to be critical. And so when the disciples take these few grains of corn to munch on, the Pharisees say to Jesus, it's interesting, they don't address the disciples, they address Jesus. Jesus is responsible for the actions of his disciples. Why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath law did prohibit harvesting on Sunday, on Saturday then, the Sabbath. And uh, the Pharisees, in interpreting the law, had concluded that even so slight an action as plucking a few grains would be counted as harvesting. And therefore, they are contending that the law is being broken. And they are being critical, and they are expressing their criticism with a question. Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus, as he often does in dealing with the Pharisees, it's it's intriguing. He often responds to the Pharisees with a question. He doesn't answer their question. He poses a question to them. 
It's as if he says, all right, you're constantly questioning me. Let me question you. Because after all, you have set yourselves up as the authoritative interpreters of the law. You're the ones that are supposed to have all the answers. So before I answer you, let me ask you a question. And so he poses them a question. A question from their own history. A question that touches on their own law. A question that touches on the application and the fulfillment of the law in their own history by their great King David. And here's Jesus' question. Have you never read what David did? When he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. Well, you have to know a fair bit of Old Testament, don't you, to, to know where that question is coming from. Uh, it's from uh, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 21. And so if this sermon is over before 6 o'clock, you can read that this afternoon. Um, it's a very dramatic moment in the Old Testament. Uh, David is fleeing from Saul with some of his supporters, and they're hungry. They don't have anything to eat. They've been on the run. And they come to the tabernacle. And David knows that in the holy place of the tabernacle, there's the showbread that's put before the Lord to represent the presence of the people before God and the willingness of God to feed and provide for his people. 